2: Hello and welcome to This Week on NFL No Huddle as we take you back through the week that was on our show, highlighting the best moments in this episode. Cordell and I will focus on the postseason, and we start with former Rams running back and Pro Football Hall of Famer Eric Dickerson. E.D., thanks so much for coming back on the show. How are you? I'm good. How you doing? We are doing well. We were just talking about the MVP race between Tom Brady and Todd Gurley. How do you see it? Brady, with the solid numbers, wants more Gurley, better than 2,000 yards from scrimmage.
3: Well, you know, I know they always want to give it to the quarterback for sure. But, you know, I look at, I look at both of these teams. And, and if you would take Tom Brady away from the Patriots, uh, I think the Patriots would still make the playoffs. I think they're still a good football team. I always think Tom is probably the greatest quarterback to ever play. But he has one of the greatest coaches also. You know, I, I believe in that system that they have over there. If you take Todd Gurley away from the Rams, the Rams are pretty much like they were last year. They may be two or three games better, but not much, not much better than that. And I think that comes into effect. Of, you know, what do you mean to your team? I mean, and Todd has a great year, but so has Tom. He's had a great year, too. But, you know, I know that they love to give this award to quarterbacks because it's a quarterback league. But I think that really, for sure, Todd has earned this, this award this year.
1: ED, good to have you on the show, my brother. Um, I would say this about the New England Patriots. Even though quarterbacks do come in and play well, we saw what happened with uh, Jacoby Brissett and, and Jimmy Garoppolo they got injured, so I don't think they would have lasted and, and I think Sean McVay is the difference maker with, with how good that offense is whether it's Todd Gurley or not but he needs to be in there to get it done. Do you think their inexperience uh, will, will, will cause them to, to sputter just a little bit to the point where they may get behind when it comes down to scoring touchdowns and have to find themselves in some way to be able to get it done as a young football team?
3: Well, look, I, I can think about when I first played my first playoff game, you know, as, as a rookie. Uh, it was just another game to me. I mean, I think football is football. You know, you know you, it's, one and, it's one and done if you lose the game. You know, when you get into the playoffs, you don't think about it. You think about, yeah, I'm in a playoff game, but the game is going on. You don't, you don't think about, oh, I'm, I'm in a playoff game, am in a playoff game. You just think about playing football after that first hit, that first tackle, that first throw. Then we just playing football. And, and however the outcome is, that's how the outcome falls. Uh, I don't think that I know we have a young. say we have a young football team, but this is a football team, you know. And sometimes young teams don't realize, you know, hey, they're just young. I'm not worried about playing. I'm not worried about the playoffs or anything like that. When you look, when you look at the Rams and, and watch them play and talk to the players, first thing they say is, I just want to play football. That's it. We don't care if it's playoffs or if it's a regular season game. So um, I expect them to play well this week. Hopefully, you know, being at home is is always a plus. You know, we've done better on the road than we've done at home this year. But, you know, it's a playoff game. But like I say, I don't expect anything different from the Rams that I've seen all year long.
2: Eric Dickerson is our guest on the NFL on TuneIn. ED, you spend a lot of time around the team. You have a front office role. How long did it take you this year to come to the conclusion Sean McVay could be a very effective head coach in the NFL?
3: Well, I think I was like a lot of people after last year's debacle. uh, The team showing up in L.A., uh, the offense was horrible. The defense is what the defense was last year. I think the defense won our four games that we had. And I think it had been so such a mediocre team for so long, I think you almost expected mediocrity out of whoever took that job. You just wasn't sure. You know, I didn't know who Sean McVay was. I'd heard about him. I talked to some players in Washington. They said, Eric, man, I'll tell you, man, he's a good guy. He's a good coach. He, said he loves football. He knows football. He's a great offensive mind. And I would tell you, honestly, probably like week five, that's when I'm like, Okay, we got a pretty good team here because, you know, when you when you see when you saw the team last year, they were so boring to watch offensively. I mean, the defense is what the defense was, but offensively it was horrible. And this year, they're exciting to watch. They really are. They, they, they bring back those memories of the greatest Sean turf in St. Louis because they're that exciting.
1: Eric, you wear one of the most luxurious sport coats in all of everything, that sports, life, everything. It's the gold jacket. It's the Hall of Fame jacket, my brother. <laughs> Tell me about these two wide receivers named Randy Mall Tio. Do you think these two guys get in the same way we saw Terrell, uh, um, Terrell Davis as well as LT last year at the running back position?
3: Well, why not? I mean, look, when I think of the Hall of Fame, you think, when, you think, when you talk about players, you talk about players who made an impact. I mean, an impact on the game when they played. You know, a, a team that, that played them had the game plan for them. That's what that's what you have to look at. Terrell Owens was that guy. I mean, you might not like him. You might not like his antics or whatever you say, but as a player, you can't deny he was one of the greatest players to ever played. You know, here's the guy that's second only behind Jerry Rice, but they're going to take receivers that's, Number ninth, tenth. It's like okay, I'm. I, you got number one, but I don't want the second guy. I want this. I want the tenth guy. I mean, that doesn't even add, that doesn't even add up, you know. And same with Randy Moss. Randy Moss had a great NFL career. I mean, he had some troubles off the field, uh, you know, with the law and all that kind of stuff. But I always say, look, all of us are young. At that you, 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 when you're young, you're a different person than when you get older. You just are. You, you look at life different. T.O. is the same guy. T.O. was young. T.O. never had any. Running with the police, drugs, beating women, none of that kind of stuff. It comes down to sports writers not liking you. That's what, that's all it is. I, I'll tell you the story. God told me when I got when I got inducted. He said, "Eric, he said you were a unanimous choice. one guy would not vote for you." And he said, and he said "I'm not going to say who he was." And I, he said, "He said he wouldn't vote for you because you held out." Now, what the hell does that have to do with playing football? Holding out? Nothing. So, I think both guys deserve it.
2: So, Eric, to draw upon your answer, as a Hall of Famer, as one of the best in the history of our league at your position, do you think the Hall of Fame selection process needs to be altered and give former players more of a voice? Because right now, as you said, it's largely sports writers being the gatekeepers for Canton, Ohio.
3: Most definitely. It, it should be changed because, look, I'm, I, you know, one thing about me is that I'm, I'm like, I'm this guy. You might not like a guy. You might not. Uh, care for the guy. But if he could play football, I'm going to give him his justice. I mean, that's, that's what it comes down to. Some of these writers, they hold this grudge Well, he didn't talk to me. He didn't talk to my buddy. He treated me this way. So when I got, I can keep him out of can. So I just feel like that the players, the guys who played the game, the playing against guys, look, the sports writers, they really don't know who can play. They, 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 they see they see a game. They don't see you play every week. Guys who you play against, I lined up against. To me, another guy that should be in the Hall of Fame is Dexter Manley. I just don't understand this. You, I played against Dexter Manning. I will never forget. I played against Bruce Smith. I played against Lawrence Taylor. I know how these guys. I played against um, Richard Dent. I know how well. I know how great these guys are. When you line up against them week after week, a month, I mean, a year after year, and you see them, you're like, man, these guys. This guy can play. So I just feel like it has to be something done that takes some of this power away from these sports writers.
1: Edie, answer this question for me. I, I proposed this to my partner over here, Brian Weber, and he's been a pundit all his life when it comes to sports, and does a phenomenal job. But every once in a while, some of these guys, I say these guys, I'm becoming the athlete now, I'm on your side. They have a tendency to gauge some things just a little different and sometimes inconsistent, especially when it comes to this award, when it comes out to the Hall of Fame. Because T.O., it's laughable for why this guy is not in based on his numbers. They're just so good. It's second to none, and that's to even Jerry Rice. I said, you know what? These guys need to put on a full uniform at a camp for one period, buckle up the chin strap, put on the mouthpiece, put the pants on, the shoes, the shoulder pads, the whole gamut, and sit out there for 30 minutes to an hour and cover practice and get a level of appreciation. Understand that while guys been doing this from seven and all of a sudden got to the league and played their best football of their lives, now all of a sudden they get a chance to get in and they can't because you're doing sit-ups in the parking lot. What 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 do you think about these guys wearing uniforms like we did? Just one time, 30 minutes to an hour.
3: Would that help? Let me tell you something. You know what? You know what? That that's a great that's a great idea. But I'd even take it a step farther. Uh oh. I would like them to get on the field. Oh no. And take those hits and take well, and rush it. They, they, they won't just, cover just, the game to, no more. They'll just, be done. Just even if you're not in the play, just to see how fast <laughs> it is. Just to see how quick it is. You can say, Oh hell no, I'm good, I'm gonna go back and grab my pen and paper. <laughs>
1: Just appreciation. That, that that's all I'm saying. I'll probably it's, never it get it. I mean, you know what? I'm it's, it's, just glad it's I no know you guys. Guy,
3: it's no different from a guy writing, writing a, an article. Look, I wouldn't know how. I mean, I could write an article. It wouldn't be nothing like. It wouldn't be as, as good, even close to what a professional writer would write. Right. A sports writer, you I know, agree. because that's his job. You know, that's what that's what he does the best. He's been doing it since he was a kid, and it's just like playing sports. You've been playing quarterback, like you. You played quarterback when you was a kid. I played running back when I was a kid. So. As Time goes on, you get better and better and better and better until you reach the, the pinnacle, and that's the national football league. You can't go any higher. There.
2: Cordell wants me to put on the pad so I pass away, and he's a solo host. <laughs> Last one for me, D. Jeff Fisher's <laughs> looking for a new head coaching opportunity. What do you make of Fisher saying he left the Rams in good shape because the team is playing well? That's a sign that when Fisher walked away, everything was just fine with the Rams.
3: You know. I'm going to a comedy show tonight, and the guest, the guest is going to be Jeff Fisher. He, he, he's a stand-up comedian that <laughs> tonight. Man, please, are you kidding me? Let me tell you something. Jeff Fisher left this team. He, we had a good defense. We've had a good defense for years. Offensively, it was a joke, and I mean a big joke. We didn't know. We, we had no idea what we were doing. I mean, when I watched them, the Rams play last year, I could almost tell you every play. Was going, it's going to open up it Was going to be a dive right, a dive left, or check down or five yard out, every game. I mean, it, it never changed. And for for Jeff to say that he left his team in pretty good shape, he said pretty good shape. <laughs> to me, that's a sign of just what he is. He's he's mediocre. He's a mediocre coach. I mean, you can't you can't live on mediocrity. Being eight and eight, they think like that's a good season. To me, eight and eight is a losing season. I don't care how you cut it. I mean, I just don't believe in that. I'm all about when I, like, like when I told Jeff last year, I told him I don't care about hurting your coach's feelings. I want my team to win. That's what I'm all about, winning. And so in L.A. right now, we're winning. The team is happier. The city is happier. And that's what it's all about. And like I told Jeff Fisher, I said, Jeff Fisher, I'm going to always be Eric Dickerson of the Los Angeles Rams. I said, that's why I wear that gold jacket. I said, you will be Jeff Fisher of the Tennessee Titans, the Chicago Bears, or wherever. I said, but I will will always be Eric Dickerson of the Los Angeles Rams. and, And I was right.
2: E.D., always a pleasure. Thanks so much for coming back on the show. Great to see you on TV on Fox Sports 1. Keep it going. Look forward to saying hello in person when we get to the Super Bowl.
3: For well, sure. Hey, take care, Cornell. Yeah, hey, you too, hey, bro. Good get to him, the team.
2: Get him in those pads. Get him in those pads. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm working on it right now.
0: Thank you, Eric. <laughs> okay. All right. Okay. All right. Bye. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. And we'll be right back with more after this.
4: It's a new year and time for you to explore new podcasts on TuneIn. Bring in 2018 with exciting new podcast episodes for the whole family like Story Pirates, This Podcast Has Fleas, Tumble Science for Kids, The Alien Adventures of Finn Caspian, and so many more. Start your new year with these podcasts and more. Just search podcasts on TuneIn today.
0: Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart.
2: Next on This Week on NFL No Huddle, we're joined by former Jaguars quarterback David Garrard. David, thanks so much for joining us again today on the NFL on TuneIn. How you doing?
5: Absolutely. I'm doing great. Thanks for having me.
2: We are pleased to talk Jacksonville football, so let's start with an overall view. How do you think Doug Marone and Tom Coughlin were able to change the culture of this team so quickly? They went from three wins to a division championship.
5: You know, um, I've been so surprised all year long that we we turned things around so fast in a way that we did. But uh, that just proves if you have a very strong defense you can do a lot of things. I mean, not just having a good defense, but our defense scores points. We win games with just our defense alone. And, I mean, not a lot of teams can say that. And so the good thing about having an awesome defense like like ours is they travel. They play well. It's not a, a system like a, an offense that has to perform well today. They are just out hunting every game. They're trying to get turnovers. They're trying to – uh blow guys up, you know, and that's that's fun. We're loving it here in Jacksonville.
1: Yeah, David, I got to be honest with you man, you Tom Coughlin comes in and changed the culture completely to the point where it's a well-balanced team as you're talking about, where the defense is tenacious, the running game is just as uh, tenacious, if you can get Blake Bortles to not turn the football over, because if this football team with him does not turn the football over, it will be a hard team to beat. Give me your take on what is it going to take for him to not do that, to help this team be the scariest team in the postseason.
5: Yeah, you know, Cordell, absolutely. That's our, that's honestly our biggest question mark, our, our biggest fear, because we know, like you said, all the other things we show up. we know we'll have the run game deal, we know Our defense is going to show up, but, you know, which Blake are we going to get? Are we going to get December Blake that, uh, you know, was lighting the league up, you know, probably had the best month of all the quarterbacks in the league? Or are we going to get the Blake that plays every other time, (laughs) you know, that throws some of the worst turnovers that I've ever seen sometimes, Uh, you know, just sometimes loses his poise when, The game starts to get tight when um, you're needing this drive to go down and win, and he does not show up at those times. And and that's been my biggest knock on him because he has all the tools. He has all the talent. He he understands the game. He knows his playbook. It's when the game is on the line, we need this drive. What are you going to do for us? And too many times it's been – not just, uh, you know, turnover and downs. We don't get it. It's been an interception and a crazy interception. So until he can prove that he can take the game over on the last two-minute drive, which is what just about every game comes down to, especially in the playoffs, can you do it? Can you do it then?
2: David Garrard is our guest on the NFL on And David, though, should we give Blake Bortles some credit for this component We chatted earlier in the year. Remember, he was bench in the preseason. They gave Chad Henney a chance. He wasn't much better. That could have shattered a lot of quarterbacks' confidence. He came back and prior to the wobbly finish to the season, back-to-back games with picks. He had that stretch with three consecutive games, seven touchdowns, no interceptions. So to me, at least, he displayed he's capable of playing better football.
5: Yeah, absolutely. I I would say just overall his whole year has been – great compared to what we've what we've got from him in the past it's been a great year for Blake Bortles and like you said the, that stretch he had there where he was just being real dominant with the ball it just it just seemed like he was playing with a confidence that we hadn't seen him have before and we want to make sure that he gets that back cause, you know it's win you go back home and and hopefully have a job moving forward you know in the future i think this is an opportunity for him to go out and shine in the playoffs, and everybody knows you can make your money, you can make your hay in the playoffs. you go out and play well, you win the ball game and and you show that you have that moxie that makeup that it takes to go out and you know put the game on me, put the game on my shoulders, and I'll carry us to a win that 's what we want from Blake, and it's still we still haven't quite gotten that yet. Although when our defense is scoring points and the run game is, is balling out and he's got his guys open, he's money. It's when we're down five points and we need this drive. That, that is the only knock I have right now on Blake. Other than that, I think he's, um, he's turning into a fine quarterback.
1: Talk about the defense, breath of fresh air. Talk about the running game, breath of fresh air. Talk about Blake Bortles, you hold your breath. Considering that, (laughs) what do you think is going to happen this offseason? Because this team is truly a quarterback away, a solid quarterback away for being very, very good. What do you think happens to Blake Bortles during this offseason?
5: Yeah, you know, I I think, um, and this is what I've said kind of throughout the year when I've talked to people is, I think it's really going to come down to now that we've gotten here, we're in the playoffs. He's shown enough throughout this Year to at least still be the starter going into next year. So that he's got his fifth year option. I think he's shown enough. Now, I'm not saying he's shown enough to lock him up yet for a number of years. But I think when he goes out and plays in this playoff game, and if they win and he plays in another one and has the kind of success that he had early in December, I think he's a guy that you actually would love to start thinking about because he's a product of this team. He's, he's uh, grown organically within the system with a bunch of offensive coordinators, a few different head coaches, and he's turned out to be the product that you thought he would. If he goes out and lays eggs, throws turnovers, loses the game, now you absolutely are thinking about bringing in another quarterback because when we needed you the most, he, he showed up. He gave us the AFC South, okay? But now we need you again. What are you going to do for us now? And you're only as good as your last game, as your last throw, you know, in, in the season. So that's what sticks with us. Week 5 through Week 10, that's not what we're thinking back on. We're thinking about your last performance. And if they aren't getting somebody in, say, like the third round or bringing in a free agent quarterback, Something's going to happen at home. I think hinges on his performance through the playoffs.
2: He's Cordell Stewart. I'm Brian Weber, chatting with David Garrard, former Jaguar quarterback, last quarterback to appear in a postseason game for Jacksonville as they get set for Wild Card Weekend in the matchup against Buffalo. David, let's wrap it up with the psyche of this football team. Watching the Jags play every week, their swagger on that sideline—they are good <laughs> and they know yeah. it. As a former player, do you like that mindset?
5: Oh, my gosh, absolutely, especially when it's coming from the defensive side. I love when you have a defense that walks out on the field and knows that we could probably get a turnover right here and run it back for a touchdown, or you're just not going anywhere. It's going to be three and out, and we're going to be sitting back on the sideline giving the ball back to our offense. So as an offensive player, as a quarterback, I love that swagger coming from my defense especially. I love it coming from – My skill players, I just love it when you're winning, you can do these things. Now, when you're a knucklehead and we're not winning and you still are trying to get out there and boat and all that, it's a totally different thing. But if you're backing up what you're saying out there on the field, if you're backing up that swagger, making the plays, absolutely, I would love it.
2: David, we always enjoy having you on the program. Thanks for giving us a few minutes again today and enjoy the highly anticipated return of playoff football to Jacksonville this weekend.
5: Absolutely, and and when we win this weekend, make sure we're back on next week. We will book you.
0: <laughs> <I love laughs> Same it. time next week. Thank you, David. Awesome. Thanks, You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. We'll be right back after this.
6: Catch all new episodes of some of your favorite podcasts early with TuneIn First Play. You can listen to new episodes from some of your favorite shows, like Haunted Places by Parkas.
7: Every episode, I take you to the
0: scariest haunted places on Hollywood Earth. Hollywood
6: and Crime by Wonder. You also
0: tested the purse for fingerprints. Nothing viable there either.
6: And Uncivil by Gimbal before they're available anywhere else
5: where we ransack america's past and discover that history is only kind to those who write it
6: search first play podcast and listen early listen often listen today
0: this is nfl no huddle the podcast here are your hosts brian weber and cordell stewart As we continue on This Week on NFL No Huddle,
2: former Bills wide receiver and current NFL analyst for CBS Sports, Steve Tasker is our guest. Steve, thanks for taking the time to join us again on the program. We've heard so much over the years about the passion of the Bills fan base. Can you articulate what makes them so special in your experience, how it went for you over the years playing in upstate New York?
7: Well, it, it's true. I mean, you can tell. Um, I go. You guys have probably heard about how the Bills showed their appreciation to Andy Dalton for throwing the late touchdown to send the Bills the, to uh, to the playoffs. Um, over a hundred thousand dollars have been donated to his his foundation as a response from Bills fans who donated seventeen dollars a piece or so to. To commemorate the 17 years they were out of the playoffs, it didn't surprise me too much when that word got out that that might happen. And uh, uh, it's uh, it's a it's a different kind of atmosphere in Buffalo because uh, you guys probably know Buffalo is not really a retirement destination. So if you live in Buffalo, it's because you were born here and raised here for the most part. And uh, if you're born and raised here, everybody you know is a Bills fan, your family, your friends, your neighbors, everybody. And uh, it's part of the part of the fabric of the community. And uh, because of that, when good things happen, uh, the community really comes together. It's uh, it's a pretty special place for that reason.
1: And you would have to say the community, um, when it comes down to success, go all the way back to the times in which Jim Kelly and and all the great players like Thurman Thomas and Andre Reeds and those guys were there. You have to assume with this opportunity to go to the postseason, this brings all those memories back, and also having the hope that maybe they can make another run to a championship. Am I right?
7: Yeah, I mean that it, it's it's really it's it, they've coined a new phrase here in Buffalo uh, called "drought babies," and that means kids who are too young to remember the team going to the playoffs yeah. and who haven't experienced it yet after after 17 years. So. Uh, the drought babies have come to an end finally and now they they can kind of take part in what their parents and grandparents have been telling them for for years how great it is to be in the playoffs it's it's pretty neat because it's the way it happened as you guys know where the bills had to win and then get some help and then the nfl moving the schedule so that all those games took place at the same time and the bills game got over the bills had done their part, and then everybody all across, every Bills fan all across the world was finding a place to find out about what happened in that game, and they all found out at the same moment, and it was pretty special. So, yeah, I don't think there's any illusions about the team being good enough to win a Super Bowl, but right now everybody's really really enjoying the fact that they've made it to the tournament.
2: Got with Steve Tasker, CBS Sports. Steve, how do you view how the Bills have handled Tyrod Taylor? He took the $10 million pay cut in the offseason to stay with the club, and then, of course, the team benched him briefly going with Nathan Peterman it was a disaster in that road game against the Chargers
7: yeah I think if you look at what happened during there it was uh, you know outside Buffalo there was a lot of criticism for it and as it turned out it was probably justly uh, justly so but what happened to get them to a five and two record had nothing to do with um, you know with the offense it was all about the defense churning out turnovers and the offense while one thing that Tyrod Taylor does as well as any quarterback in the league is not turn it over. And at that point of the season, they decided they needed more out of that position and tried to go with Nate Peterman. And the simple fact of the matter is, if Nathan Peterman had done anything except absolutely fall on his face, he might still be the quarterback of that team. But as it was, he did fall on his face. They couldn't leave him in there, and Tyrod Taylor came in. And there's been a handful of games when Tyrod Taylor hasn't been able to throw for over 100 yards, let alone 300, uh, let alone 200. It's just been a constant battle. He's, he's good at not turning it over. They seem to churn out first downs. LaShawn McCoy has been a, a phenomenal asset and really the reason why the team has been able to hang in games. He's an elite back and so versatile. Uh, with him out, that really hamstrings their offense. But, but make no mistake, they struggle to throw the football at all, and even in doing so, the rest of the roster is good enough to get them in the playoffs.
2: Steve Tasker, CBS Sports, is our guest on the NFL on TuneIn. Steve, we know that Jacksonville has an opportunistic defense, number one in the league in scoring defensive touchdowns, but how much help could Buffalo get from the generosity of Blake Bortles, five more interceptions the last two weeks to cap the regular season?
8: Yeah, and I think that's a
7: big question mark because there's no question the Bills are good enough with their defense. They've shown they can play and beat anybody because their defense, particularly the Bills' secondary, is stellar. If E.J. Gaines is able to go at cornerback with the two healthy cornerbacks and Tre'Davious White, who's really having a rookie MVP, a rookie MVP, defensive MVP season. Uh, those two corners, E.J. Gaines and, and Tredavious White, are sensational, and Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde have absolutely transformed the back end of the Bills' defense. All four guys are new this year, and they have churned out interceptions. Both safeties have five interceptions. Uh, no two safeties in the league combined for more interceptions. Uh, the corners are getting doing awesome job at getting passes defensed. Their secondary is really, really good, and that could cause problems for Blake Bortles. If he throws it up or doesn't isn't sure about where he's going with the football, it will be a turnover. Uh, one thing that the Jaguars do have going for him, the Buffalo Bills' pass rush is not as good as the Jaguars. That's saying something because the Jaguars have the best pass rush in the league, but the Bills don't, uh, and it's not even close. So if the Bills can conjure up some pressure and force Bortles to throw into that, that really good secondary, then this game could get... Could get out of hand, and the Bills could jump out to a lead and and make it make it work for them. That's the real key ingredient, though. The Bills' secondary is the engine that runs their defense.
1: When it comes down to the Bills' defense, Coach Frazier's defense early in the year, they were second to none. I think they were a plus ten internal ratio, uh, which is which was pretty good at that time. I think right now they're plus nine. Uh, but tell me, what happened to their defense when it was a defense that was? getting turnovers, scoring touchdowns. And as of lately, it seems as if they kind of maybe found a dead spot somewhere in there to the point where they kind of flattened out because that defense was just as good early on as we've seen this this Jacksonville defense be all season.
7: Yeah, you're exactly right. What happened was it was, it was the early season turnovers that did it. Uh, plus, early in the season, uh, teams didn't really know about the Bills' offense like they do now. The Bills would churn out uh, 20, 25 points a game, get up, and their defense was playing extremely well, plus getting those turnovers. And teams would play a little bit desperate to beat them. Um, and when they got to a 5-2 and two record, it was really surprising because the Bills weren't playing very well offensively. But at one point, I think they were plus 17 at, tur- at turnovers. And Man. now, as you mentioned. Uh, it's it's flattened out to where they're they're good but not great like they once were. That that defense and their ability to get turnovers really fueled their their run to the playoffs. Even though they tapered off in the second half of the year, they were so good early on that. They, uh, they gave them a chance to find themselves. They made some tweaks in their run game on offense at the bye week, got a little more production out of that, and now they can run the football respectably against any front that you can throw at them. Um, and their defense still continues to play well and get turnovers once in a while. So that's really the, who the Bills are. Uh, they play good, solid, disciplined defense. They sprinkle in some turnovers. Their offense runs the football and never turns it over, and it has fueled them to a point where they're 9-7 and seven and backed into the playoffs.
2: Steve, let's wrap it up with a big picture in the AFC. How surprised would you be if we don't get the rematch of the Steelers and the Patriots again in the AFC title game?
7: Yeah, I'd be really surprised. Uh, Those two teams are sitting now with a week off, uh, a much-needed week off uh, to get rest and healed up. Um, I think this is a, a chance for them to, to, you know, they're. I think we're on a, de- at a head a collision course uh, in Foxborough to see the Steelers go in there. I think that'll be the D game. I can't see Kansas City. Uh, Tennessee, Buffalo, or Jacksonville beating either one of those teams on the road uh, unless they absolutely fall flat on their face or, if like you say, they they, they turn the ball over. So I think I think that's it. I think they're the teams to beat. I think uh, I think uh, New England is probably going to get back to the Super Bowl, and it'll be interesting to see who they face. But uh, I think Pittsburgh's the only team with a shot to go into Foxborough and
2: win. Steve, we always enjoy having you on the program. Thanks for giving us a few minutes again today on the
0: NFL on TuneIn. Thank you guys. Appreciate it. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, and we'll be right back with more after this.
6: It's a new year, and time for you to explore new podcasts on TuneIn. What better way to celebrate the new year than taking a look back at the best podcasts of 2017? From news and politics to true crime, comedy, and history favorites. We've rounded up our favorites, and there's something for everyone. Shows included Dirty John, S Town, My Favorite Murder, Homecoming pod save america start your new year with these podcasts and more just search podcasts on TuneIn today
0: welcome back to nfl no huddle the podcast here are your hosts brian weber and cordell stewart
2: welcome back to this week on nfl no huddle chatting with former saints quarterback bobby a bear now with wwl radio in new orleans bobby thanks for taking the time how are you doing today
8: I'm doing good. Um, Hopefully this cold weather will go away next week. Uh, To be in South Louisiana, this is way too cold for us.
2: (laughs) It's very
1: cold. How you doing, bro? Good to hear from you. I remember the last time we talked, I think the Saints was playing against Miami. Correct me if I'm wrong, and you asked a question after they were on this losing streak. You said, Cordell, can they get it done? And I said, well, you know, it it depends on how many breaks we can have, right? Everybody laughed, you induced, and guess what? They went on like a 4-5 game winning streak. You know, I'll say I was wrong and you were right, so go ahead and start bragging right now if you like because right now the Saints is playing some of the best football, particularly on defense and also in a different way. They're doing it with the running game with Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara?
8: Well, the, the thing is, uh, I think it's wide open, to be truly honest, Cordell. I think the Falcons, can go to Los Angeles and win, and the reason why I bring that up, you look at the top three seeds in the NFC, uh, they, they're playing quarterbacks that have previously struggled uh, for Jeff Fisher. So, so think about that, who are they counting on. <laughs> With the Jared Goff, and then how hard that is to, to get your career started in the NFL and to be outstanding uh, as a rookie. Then you look at Case Keenum, uh, he is part of that Ramsey to Nick Foles, so that's why to me it's wide open. You look at Cam Newton was an MVP, Matt Ryan was an MVP, Drew Brees a first ballot Hall of Famer, he's a Super Bowl winner, so it'd be interesting to see what's going to happen because uh, when you look on the back end, uh, I mean, I, I, I could see a scenario, and now, now wouldn't this this like a movie? Wouldn't this be crazy, Cardell, This would happen. The Saints beat the Panthers. The Falcons beat the Rams. Now, all of a sudden, <laughs> I, I like the Falcons' chance going up to Philadelphia. Now, I think it'd be an upset if the Saints would beat Minnesota, Minnesota. But guess what? Then the NFC Championship would be in the Mercedes-Benz Superdome <laughs> to go to the Super Bowl. Oh, my God! No, it
1: the would thing would be, like, be crazy, Bobby. It would be, it it, would, it it would be pandemonium, be, bro.
8: It would be like a, like a movie, and you could tell Saints fans today, If that would ever occur, they would say, well, I don't even want to go that far if we lose to the Falcons in y'all for them to go uh, to Minneapolis in the Super Bowl.
2: Crazy. The world would come unglued. Bobby Abar is our guest on the NFL on TuneIn. Bobby, let's go back to prior to the start of the regular season, covering the Saints in training camp and the preseason. How long did it take to get a sense Alvin Kamara could be a special running back in his rookie season?
8: Well, uh, I knew that Sean Payton uh, was going to know how to utilize him. And what I mean by that, uh, he kind of put the blueprint out there. and You know, copycat lead, how you utilize uh, running backs. You look at the Panthers going to get Christian McCaffrey. You look at a one-two punch uh, with Coleman and the Falcons. But really, it all started back in 06 when uh, they got Reggie Bush. And then it was Reggie Bush plus when they added Darren Sproles. And then, so then you got the trifecta, and now an Alvin Kamara. So, the one thing you're going to see uh, with Drew, and right now they are hurting at the tight end position. They're not uh, exploiting defenses. You know, when you look back when they had Jeremy Shockey, uh, they had Jimmy Graham, and even Benjamin Watson. Well, that's something that's hindering Drew uh, right now. Uh, but I say he's hindering, but then you look at the Saints offense, it's ridiculous. Do you know since 2006? that 50% of the time in a dozen seasons they finish number one, and they've either been number one or number two, nine out of 12 seasons. So you say you get kind of spoiled of the Saints fan because, you know, oh, Drew had an off year uh, when he threw four 4,300 yards. He's the most accurate quarterback. He breaks his own records for accuracy. And then the point being is that where the Saints are at right now, and how Drew's still going to spread it around, how they utilize the backs in the passing game. You used to hit eight, nine, ten, eleven different receivers. Now it's more six to eight. But even though you have Michael Thomas, you're still going to see uh let's say out of the top four receivers uh, as far as receptions in the game, uh, the two of them are gonna be the running back, both Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara.
1: Bobby, when you look at you know how quietly this team has been able to produce, and I say quietly because you know, sometimes you have a tendency to compartmentalize what you choose to see, as far as how this offense is actually producing. They're doing it differently. It's not Drew Brees by himself; it's the running game. But on the defensive side of the football, Cameron Jordan has truly been playing good football all year. He's got an opportunity to be selected to first team as a first team All Pro. Uh, he has 13 sacks, which is m- most that he's had throughout his entire career. Give me your take on how impactful he's been when it comes down to the push with the front four of that defense.
8: Listen. Cam Jordan uh, is a flat-out stud. I mean, there's no way else you could describe it. I don't think he gets enough perspective. If Cam Jordan was playing in New York or L.A. or if he was with the, the Dallas Cowgirls, he gets so much recognition it'd be ridiculous. <laughs> I heard. But that. when I look at when <laughs> you heard that Cowgirls, huh? <laughs> I
3: heard that.
1: I heard that.
8: <laughs> I, I, I always always think that's a great day for Saints fans. Uh, when uh, if the Saints can't win, at least Dallas loses. So, but but that's another topic. But looking at Cam Jordan. You know what's amazing between him and Drew Brees is the reliability. They never hurt. Right. Look at the consecutive games. Cam Jarn plays every snap, and he doesn't miss a game. Coach Payton says he's really a freak of nature. Whether it's the, uh, the sixth snap of the game, whether it's the 48th snap or the 60th snap, the motor's still going. He plays at an intensity, game in and game out. And so, to, first of all, to be accountable, you have to be uh, reliable. And, and, and he's, he's always there. Now, uh, if you look at it, I'm a big fan of pro football focus and, uh, cause I like analytics and how you break things down. And they, uh, this year, if you look, can you be not just a specialist, like rush the pass or how you play against the run? I'm telling you, first, second, third down, Cam Jordan is, 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 he's in the conversation to be the best. If you look at the overall grade, I think only Von Miller if I can recall this, from pro football focus this season, has a better grade than uh, Cam Jordan. So I take the approach, how can Cam Jordan uh, not be, not just a pro bowler, but all pro, but he is truly at that level. Now, uh, you know, he can't use the uh, injuries as an excuse, but I think he was even better when Alex Okafor, who they got from the Cardinals, was playing opposite defense, and he's out for the season. And then also they lost their quarterback of the defense, And Matt Titeo has been playing good. I think he could get exploited in pass coverage. But when you look at A.J. Klein, with him being out now for the year, that would have been like almost uh, when they had a playoff run or two-of-all run not having Jonathan Velma in the middle. Because he truly, so even though they're piecemeal and putting things together on the defense, and we always said the Saints always going to have a top-five offense, can the defense get to the middle of the pack Well, right now they are at the middle of the pack. But another area I was just thinking about this is that the Saints offensive line has been outstanding, and they haven't really played two or three games in a row. They've had injuries, uh, and I truly believe this, and I don't think this is just home cooking. If you talk about their starters, if they could have Teron Armstead at left tackle and they have Andrew Speed at left guard, Max Unger, who I think is one of the top centers, and we got the bad end of that deal with uh, Jimmy Graham from the Seahawks. Max Unger, and then you got Larry Wolford, who they got from the line, the free agency, a right guard, and Ryan Ramchick, the, the rookie for Wisconsin, right tackle. The Saints have a top two, three offensive line in the league simply because how they could pass block and run block. I mean, you look, Drew Brees has always been the least sacked quarterback uh, the last 12 years. I want to say this year he's like second, he's like been sacked 20 times, but. It's amazing. Uh, and on the plus side in the turnover margin, plus seven, it could be uh, a magical season. I still don't know if I uh, trust the defense. Uh, the, the one thing they've not been able to uh, really uh, stop the run as far as average, you know, giving up like four and a half yards uh, run. And you know, Carolina, they're going to try and run the ball on the Coach Rivera play style defense. So that's going to be interesting how that's going to unfold. But you look at Carolina how they were able to play against the run. To me, the two most impressive games this year the Saints played is how they whooped Carolina. And Carolina got some studs on defense, but they, the Saints in week three ran for 149 yards. In week 13, they ran for 148. And you go doing do that against the third-best rushing defense, where they will only give it up 88 yards a game. So, you know, you look at all the numbers and all, the Saints are better than Carolina. And you might say, well, it's hard. Beat a team three times in one year. Well, if you look back since 1970, they've had 20 games that uh, to beat a team three times in one year, and it's been done 13 out of 20. So that's more than half. So when teams, say, "Oh yeah, you're here," oh, but it's hard to beat a team three times in one year. Well, no, uh, 13 out of the last 20 games when you had a chance to beat a team three times since 1970, it has occurred. I want to say it was like 2007. It was the last time that, uh, I want to say, Dallas beat uh, the New York Giants twice in, uh, in the season, and they lost to the Giants in the playoffs in the uh, divisional round.
2: Bobby, always a distinct pleasure to talk Saint football with you. Enjoy the game Sunday. Hope to see you in person at the Super Bowl in Minnesota.
8: Hope to see you in Cornell uh, you know, the, up there, and uh, y'all have a good time.
0: You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. We'll be right back after this.
4: It's a new year and time for you to explore new podcasts on TuneIn. Bring in 2018 with exciting new podcast episodes for the whole family like Story Pirates, This Podcast Has Fleas, Tumble Science for Kids, The Alien Adventures of Finn Caspian, and so many more. Start your new year with these podcasts and more. Just search podcasts on TuneIn today.
0: This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart.
2: Next up on this week on NFL No Huddle, former quarterback and NFL on CBS analyst Steve Burlon joins the program. Steve, Happy New Year. Thanks for taking the time. Let's start with that game you saw yesterday. Colts now looking for a new head coach. How attractive do you think this job is when you put it all together? The pros, obviously a healthy Andrew Luck when he comes back from the shoulder procedure, the negatives, I think the division getting much tougher with the Jags and Titans going to the playoffs and Houston finally finding a franchise quarterback in Deshaun Watson.
9: Yeah, there's no doubt that, uh, that the division is, is definitely, uh, moving in the, in the upward direction. I mean, that, the, the Titans that took a step back here late in the season, but but everybody obviously knows that they're they're a playoff team, and, and uh, you know if they can get consistent play out of their quarterback Mariota, uh, you know they can play with anybody. And then the Jags obviously been one of the big stories of the year. But I think um, when you when you look at Indianapolis, I think it's a very attractive situation. And Nick uh, knows this. You know when you when you've got your franchise quarterback, um, you know that that makes it a very attractive option. And I think a lot of people are um putting a little bit a little bit too much uh negative spin on what's going on with Andrew Luck. Sure, it was a huge disappointing loss to not have him available all year. But I think in the long run, this year off and, and making sure that he's hundred percent healthy coming out of this year and going into next year, I think he's gonna really play pay, pay big dividends for the Colts. He he's gonna be absolutely fine. Uh they were trying to initially they were trying to get him back and rush him back probably before that arm was ready. And I think it was fortunate that things worked out the way that they did because had he not had the minor setbacks, he could have ended up coming back maybe a little bit too soon and having something negative happen. So he'll be hungry and ready to go next year. Uh, we also know now that they'll have the third pick in the draft. So uh, that's going to be a, an impact type of player they're going to be able to pick up. Uh, and, and I do think that the, the you know the groundwork is there, for a, a new coach to come in and say, hey, we can we can probably become pretty competitive pretty quickly. Uh, as long as we keep Andrew Luck healthy, they need to address the offensive line uh, and maybe get another playmaker uh, in the pass game to go along with T.Y. Hilton. Uh, but I, I think that it's a pretty attractive option when you consider all the ones that are open out there
2: right now.
5: Well, Steve, you know, me, unlike, you know, other people, when I look at the coach's job, you know, I think it's, a, it's definitely – a job that any head coach will love because some of the things that you've laid out and just kind of looking at the quarterback position, uh, I also look at Jacoby Brissett. I mean, he did a great job coming in on short notice, having to uh, go through all the terminology and be brought up to speed as far as everything going on with that offense. If you are a a new guy looking to take this job over, knowing as though there may be some time before Andrew Luck is actually ready to Resume his duties as uh, the starting quarterback for this team. How much faith do you have watching watching the game yesterday and watching what you've seen thus far of Jacoby Brissett?
9: Well, I, I had a chance to see a Jacoby a couple times this year. We, we had a couple of their games, uh, and, I, and I was very impressed. And everything you hear from uh, from the, the head coach, Chuck Pagano, who um, obviously until today had that role, uh, or until, yeah, I guess it was today or yesterday, whatever it was. But the bottom line is that uh, everything you hear from the teammates, uh, from uh, uh, everybody within the organization is so positive about his overall leadership ability and uh, the way that he handled a a very, very difficult situation uh, and and came out of it really uh, establishing himself as a guy that can play in this league. And so I think the Colts come out of this year, sure, it was a very disappointing year, only winning four games. But uh, they do know going into 2018 that their quarterback position, barring some kind of a setback from, from, uh, Andrew Luck, which I don't think anybody expects at this point now that he's had all this time off. They now know that they have not only their franchise quarterback, but a quarterback that can step in and win games if he does need to play at all at any point. So, uh, I think they will feel very secure about the quarterback position, uh, first and foremost.
2: Steve Berlin of CBS Sports is our guest on the NFL on TuneIn. Steve, you played in Jacksonville years ago when they were the expansion Jags. How do you think Tom Coughlin and Doug Marone have changed the culture so much in one season to go from three wins to the playoffs?
9: Well, I don't know how they did it, but they did it. And I, and I, I, I say that kind of sarcastically. You know, I don't know exactly what measures uh, the two of them took, but uh, when I was in Jacksonville for the first year of the franchise, I saw enough of Tom Coffin to know the way that he runs his his kingdom, so to speak, and uh he and Doug Marone are hundred percent on the same page. They come from the the same type of uh uh background philosophically in terms of what they believe uh are the are the you know the most important uh characteristics of a good football team. It starts with being a tough physical team up front on both sides. It starts with being able to uh run the football and stop the run. Uh, and then uh, protecting the football and creating turnovers. Really, those are the three main points that, that Tom Coughlin always has emphasized. and uh, He doesn't settle for anything less if he thinks you're a liability. Um, and Doug Marone feels this way as well. They, they won't put you on the football field. That's been one of the most impressive things with how they've handled Blake Bortles. I think they've they've brought him along very, very uh, uh carefully, Very smartly, and and that really is going to be the key for them moving forward. Uh, You know, you're playing, they're playing a team in Buffalo this year that has gotten to the point that they are because they have waited and capitalized on other teams making mistakes. And uh, they're not a team that's going to go out necessarily and beat you, Uh, they're going to wait for you to beat yourself. And, And if you make a mistake, they're going to make you pay. And so I think that's what it's going to come down for them this week. Uh, as far as Jacksonville is concerned, if, if Blake Bortles can protect the football and not revert back to the old Blake Bortles, uh, I think Buffalo is going to have a hard time beating Jacksonville because they're so solid up front on both sides of the ball. And, and that defense is playing at a uh, really a, a different level than any other, any other defense in the NFL right now. Uh, sure, we, we know that they got uh, beat up pretty good by the, by the 49ers a couple weeks ago. Uh, but that happens every once in a while. The game plan, whatever it might have been, who knows. But everybody respects the Jaguars as being a top-notch defense across the board. So um, I, I just don't see Buffalo being able to hang with them as long as Blake Bortles doesn't keep them in the ball game.
2: Rams are just six players on the roster who have ever competed in the postseason game. Steve, great information as always. Happy New Year. Thanks so much for joining us again on the NFL on TuneIn.
0: All right, guys, anytime. Glad to do it. Take care. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, and we'll be right back with more after this.
6: Catch all new episodes of some of your favorite podcasts early with TuneIn First Play. You can listen to new episodes from some of your favorite shows like Haunted Places by Parcast.
7: Every episode, I take you to the scariest
0: haunted places on Earth. Hollywood
6: and Crime by Wonder. We also
0: tested the purse for fingerprints. Nothing viable there either.
6: And Uncivil by Gimlet before they're available anywhere else.
0: Where we ransack
5: America's past and discover that history. Is only kind to those who write it.
6: Search First Play podcast and listen early. Listen often. Listen today. Four,
4: three, two, one. It's a new year and time for you to explore new podcasts on TuneIn. Bring in 2018 with exciting new podcast episodes for the whole family, like Story Pirates. This podcast has fleas. Tumble Science for Kids. The Alien Adventures of Finn Caspian, and so many more. Start your new year with these podcasts and more. Just search podcasts on TuneIn today.
0: Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart.
2: As we close out this week on NFL No Huddle, we welcome in former Chiefs wide receiver Eddie Kennison. Eddie, thanks so much for taking the time to join us. How are you today?
10: Oh, no worries, guys. I'm doing fantastic. How are you guys today?
2: We are doing well, and we appreciate you coming on the NFL on TuneIn to talk about your old team. So let's start with the playoff atmosphere we can anticipate tomorrow. You played for five different teams, so you know the entire league. What are the Titans going to have to deal with tomorrow in Kansas City? How much of a home-field advantage is there at (laughs) Arrowhead?
10: Well, you know, whether it's a playoff game or a regular season game, and I'm sure Cordell he he he's been he's played in Arrowhead before brother it is a college like atmosphere these fans in Kansas City they're so loyal they're the loudest and i put emphasis on the loudest uh, fan base in the national football league tennessee titans for players that have not played in arrowhead in their career they're getting ready for a, a, a rude awakening, brother, because these fans, they get loud. They enjoy football. Well, let me take that back. They love football. And then you got to deal with Andy Reid, Alex Smith, and the rest of the crew that's on the field on game day.
1: Eddie, you mentioned, glad to have you on too, by the way, and it is the home of the Chiefs and not the Braves. Um, we're going to <laughs> Arrowhead. <laughs> um Give me your take on, on Alex Smith. I, I know, you know, you just mentioned some of their go-to players on the offensive side of the football, and that's what makes the clock truly tick on that team is, is when those guys, the Travis Kelseys, the, the Tariq Hills, the Kareem and most importantly, Alex Smith, when, they're, when he's playing really good, it's hard to beat this football team. How much confidence do you have in him having a chance to get back to the pool season, and now that they're in Arrowhead with that advantage, do you think they have a real good chance of winning?
10: I, 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 there's no question. Um, I mean, you know, we're just, we're one played last year. And I know that's the past from, you know, making it to the big dance and, you know, no one wants it more uh, than Alex Smith because, you know, Alex, Alex, he, he's been through this, this dance before. He likes the way it, he likes the way the music plays. He, he enjoys being in the dance and, uh, and he deserves, you know, to, to, to play in the, in the in the in the big game, and uh, but more importantly, you know tomorrow. And I know Alex; he wants to win tomorrow to continue to move on uh, and further into the playoffs. And you know, there's no one that I would rather have as a Chiefs quarterback right now than Alex Smith. He's playing fantastic football. He's been playing fantastic football. He's uh, I mean, he's at the top of his game. And I think Alex is 35 or 36 years old. Uh, and he's playing fantastic football. So I have the most confidence, the utmost confidence in Alex Smith to be able to go out and perform the way Alex Smith has always done, and I look forward to him having a big game tomorrow night with the rest of the guys uh, and, and come out of this thing with the victory and move on to next week.
2: Eddie Kennison is our guest on the NFL on Tune. And Eddie, you were an All-American sprinter at LSU, but are even you impressed by the speed of Tyreek uh, Tyre Hill? It seems like every time we see him, he's the fastest player on the field.
10: I think Tyreek Hill may be the fastest human on the planet right now. And I tell you what, uh, you know, I was I was okay fast, you know, back in my day. You know, I was a I was a four-two-eight guy. You know, some people still say, "Ah, oh, yeah, that's pretty fast." And then you have Tyreek Hill, who's like on on planet Krypton. I mean, this guy—he's on a whole nother level. I mean, it's, and I still get excited to watch him play football. I want him to throw uh, Tyreek the ball every single play for two reasons. One, he can make things happen. And you never know what's going to
1: happen. you think about how how well he plays and how fast he is, arguably one of the faster players in the game, uh, and just making plays like it's it makes he makes it look almost too easy. Let's just say that, but this defense early in the year, they were known for being able to to create turnovers, create good field position, and sometime get close to taking it back to the house. They hadn't really been able to do that as of lately. What do you think it's going to take, considering they don't have Eric Berry in because obviously the season-ending injury, what do you think it's going to take for this defense to step it up and help out because you know the Tennessee Titans are going to run the football?
10: Right. And, you know, it's, it's going to take all 11 guys, all cylinders, playing on the same page in that book tomorrow. Um, and, you know, guys, they have to get to the football. We have to have 11 guys tackling the football on defense it, 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 we know that that's that's very easily said, but we have to have 11 guys pursuing the football. And not only trying to strip the ball, we have to make tackles. Uh, I see a lot of guys you know, over the last couple weeks trying to make shoulder pad tackles, and that's not going to get it done. We need to wrap up, hold the guy up, and the other 10 guys come up and try to strip the ball up while they're tackling. That's the first thing we have to do, just tackle. 11 guys on the ball tackling, and then
2: trying to strip it. Talking Chiefs with Eddie Kennison. Eddie, where do you think running back Kareem Hunt is heading into the postseason? Seemed like he hit the rookie wall, then bounced back and wound up being the number one rusher in all of football.
10: <laughs> you know, I, I think all of us hit a, a rookie wall, uh, you know, coming out of college. And, you know, Andy Reid and, you know, the the training staff, these guys are super intelligent and uh, uh, I think they understood and understand you know that uh, uh, whatever their uh re- regiment was to get him healthy, get his legs back to break out of that rookie wall you know I think, uh, I think the training Stephanie Andrew did a great job, whether it's a little bit of practice or whatever else they did, but I think kareem hunt uh the last couple of weeks he's has he's shown. Uh, his getting his strength back to be able to run the football. And uh, I'm excited to see him, you know, playing his first playoff game because I know he's super excited. You know, I know he's heard the stories about last year. And I know he want to be the guy that uh, helped this football team win uh, their first playoff game for the 2018 season. And I'm looking forward to seeing him play.
1: Eddie, I, I, you know, we all know in Seattle they have the 12th man when it comes down to how they like to portray themselves being when you come into their new facility into their stadium but you guys are somewhat the same probably even more i mean the meter just jumps off the chart when they play how how's the fans knowing that how tough the season has been when it's gone up it was great and then all of a sudden they had that lull and losing a lot of games and then all of a sudden they finished strong Is the fans really enthu- are the fans really enthusiastic about this opportunity for their team
10: i would say Cordell, yes, depends. Uh, even when you know the, the ball club was having the, the mid-season low points, those you know five or six losses that they had, we still had our fans pack Arrowhead Stadium. That's how passionate they are. They understand uh, the wins. They they feel for when the team loses because it's like they're losing as well. But they have to come back to support. Their guys on the field because our fans feel like they're playing. They feel like they feel like they're on the field uh, taking the hits and all. So they are emotionally and physically in ways tied to the game, just like the guys are that are playing uh, on the field. And our fans are not afraid to show up, brother, good, bad, or indifferent. Arrowhead, Chiefs, Kingdom Brother, they show up, and I think they will always show up as long as the Kansas City Chiefs are here in,
0: in Kansas City. Thank you for listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast on iTunes with Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Listen live weekdays from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern by downloading the TuneIn app and searching NFL No Huddle. The National Football League is on. TuneIn, your everything audio app.